Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's Word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Spirit of God, may you have absolute control. May you speak to your children in a language we can understand. May the brokenhearted be healed. May the blind see. May the lame walk. May destinies be transformed. Because you showed up. We thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. What burdens do we carry that you cannot relieve us of them? What yoke is too strong for you to break? We thank you, God, that to you all things are possible. We thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to welcome all of you to Accra Community Church. And today we have the Sinyaja family with us. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you in our midst. We wish that it had been on a a very, very positive, positive note, but we, unfortunately, we know that you are in a season of mourning. The good news is that this one too shall pass. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Amen. There's a Sunday school song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. As you can see, I can, that's, there's a reason why I'm not part of the worship team. Amen. And this morning, I want to give us a short word on why your little light must shine. Amen. It's important. We've been going through outreach, discipleship, the reason why the Christian must bear witness of Christ and all that. And today I was, I'm supposed to speak on missional living. I used to be part of a church that was heavily focused on missions. We'd send missionaries to all sorts of places. And in fact, we had an account. We had a special account that raised money just to support missionaries. Amen. And if you look at the history of missionaries, the reason why we are all in this room is because some missionaries came to Africa. Not all of them came because of Christ. Some came because they needed a job. Others came because they were agents of governments. But there were a lot of them who came because of the passion they had for Christ. Amen. And they sowed seeds. And a lot of them died very young. Back then there was no treatment for malaria. So just here in Osu, if you go to the Presby Cemetery, you'll find missionary after missionary after missionary. Most of them didn't even live to be 40 years old. They came into this country as young men, and before they were 30-something, malaria will kill them, or something else, or typhoid, or whatever. But they kept coming. They kept coming. And sometimes, when people like me speak about the impact of, of the slave trade and colonialism, it is also very, very easy to paint a picture that makes it look as if every missionary who came to Africa was bad. But the truth is, a lot of them, a lot of them sacrificed greatly. And I wanted to 
come with names of great people who came and did great things for God. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me differently. And this morning I want us to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and we'll read a very short passage from verse 1 to 5. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Says the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gift 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. So I went over a bit. I read, I read more than up to verse 5 for good reason. We, don't, we never get to know the name of this little slave girl. We don't know her. She didn't become a slave because of anything bad she did. Her status in life changed from somebody's precious daughter, somebody's free girl who could play wherever she wanted, go wherever she wanted, and became a slave in an instant because somebody kidnapped her. Sometimes in life, your lot can change quickly for good or for bad. Sometimes you can be going your merry way, everything is fine, you have dreams, you are meeting, and then one appointment with a doctor changes everything. What is beautiful about this young girl, though, is when we look at how she handled her predicament, compared to the king who tore his clothes in frustration, you can see that this little girl had much more faith than the king of Israel. If I was that girl, I probably would have been thinking, if there's truly a powerful God in Israel, how did I end up here 
in Aramean land as a slave. I'm not going to recommend him to anybody. If I was that little girl, I probably would have been so obsessed with my loss, with the trauma of my captivity so much. And I probably would have been so full of bitterness that there was no way on earth I would be interested in my slave master getting well. But we see her heart. She looked beyond her suffering and sought to help the suffering. This is what it means to be a witness of Christ. Amen. In the book of Acts, we see the church spread. When Jesus commissioned his disciples and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they became apostles, they were very, very content being in Jerusalem, speaking in tongues to each other, winning souls in Jerusalem, and being comfortable until difficult times came. Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle, was one of the people who actively persecuted and made life difficult for Christians. Christians, people who loved the Lord. Some were burnt at the stake, some were beheaded, some were fried like we fried a trophy in this country. They were harassed, left, right, center. They had to run away, leaving home, farms, and everything and everybody they loved. And yet, in their running away, seeking safety and seeking shelter, they still had the presence of mind to share the story of Jesus with anybody who will listen. These are the original missionaries. Amen. Persecution threw them out there, but they carried the gospel that transformed destinies along with them. There is a question that is often asked, especially in difficult times, especially when somebody who fears the Lord, somebody who is a promising, somebody who has a bright shining light, passes away or gets sick. The question is why do bad things happen to good people? It's a very important question. Very, very important life question. And one that we can't always answer depending on what situation we might be facing. Why did this precious little girl become a captive of some raiders and end up as a slave this daughter of Zion, this daughter of Abraham, this daughter of the covenant, how did she end up a slave in an unbeliever's home? And yet you realize that if she hadn't been captured and made a slave, we wouldn't have been reading about her today. She would have lived a normal life, probably got, gotten married at 16 or 17, had a fleet of children, go to the synagogue every Sabbath, farm with her husband, raise her children, die, go, and be forgotten. But her suffering 
gave her legitimacy. I remember one time somebody lost a very, very dear one. They lost their spouse. And I wanted to call them and comfort them. And I called them. But after I called them and I prayed with them, I noticed that as much as I cared, my prayer and my comfort didn't carry as much weight as another person who had gone through the same predicament and survived. So I called one of our senior brothers in the church who at the time had lost his first wife. He remarried later, but at the time, I don't think he had remarried. I don't, I don't remember this very correctly. But at the time, he was somebody who had also lost somebody he truly loved. Been faithful in a marriage for about 40 years. And out of the blue, she went for a medical test that said everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, everything wasn't fine. And she was gone. So I called him and I said, can you please call this person? Can you support them? Because you see, he could support this person in levels and ways I cannot. Because I don't know what it means to lose a spouse. I don't know. You know, sometimes in life, God allows a certain experiences so that you become the light that gives comfort. So when you stand by another person and you say, listen, I understand. They know you are not blowing jars. They know you understand. Amen. Amen. So this little girl finds relevance because in spite of her personal discomfort and suffering, she could bear witness about the God of Israel and the prophet of Israel. Amen. And Naaman, Naaman listened. Quickly, the king was brought in. And there are three lessons I want us to quickly learn from this account in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. The first one is that there are many mighty warriors walking around suffering from leprosy. This is why the Christian must never be ashamed to bear witness. She knew about Naaman's situation because she lived in his house. When you live in somebody's house, there's very little you don't get to know. You see them in their beautiful purple robes and their beautiful clothes and all the parading. But there's leprosy under. And he was suffering. And he wasn't a bad man. Naaman wasn't a bad man. At least not from what we read in scripture. He was good at his job. His boss liked him. He was respectful. He listens to his wife. All good men listen to their wives. <laughs> the women are very happy to hear that. But he had leprosy. And sometimes you will look at yourself and God says, oh, tell this person about Jesus. Go and visit that person. Go and check on them. And you look at their house. It's in, I don't know what the nicest neighborhood in Accra is. Accra changes so fast. Every day I see a nice neighborhood springing up. But what, whichever one it is. Adenta. Aha, Adenta. There was a time when Adenta was the ish. <laughs> so, 
their house is in Adenta, Adenta Central. <laughs> you know, and you look at the house, you look at the number of security guards and the big dogs on the compound. They're like, hey, me, slave girl. Tell this man about Jesus, who am I? You have no idea what is under. Amen. And that's why the first thing is that we all have to walk in obedience. Amen. If God says, tell somebody about Jesus, please do. If God says, sometimes it's not that tell them about Jesus, it's just check on them. Say, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray with you on? Just be present. Amen. Because many times what you see is not what it is. What you see, the picture you see, the beautiful picture you see of the family, the man and the woman are in the same clothes and their children are following them and they show up in the, the, the 2027 model of a car. And please, sometimes, not always, but many times, there is leprosy under. And God will want to use you to speak to them. Amen. The second lesson is that don't ever look at yourself and think you have nothing to offer. It's very, very important. When Moses sent out the 12 spies, 10 came and said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so were we in their eyes. A whole human being conceived for nine months, born, fed, trained, invested in, and you see yourself as a grasshopper. Grasshopper. Of all things, grasshopper. You blend in with the grass. Grasshopper. But that's the truth. That's how they felt. But one of the things the Bible teaches, teaches us very clearly is that circumstance is not necessarily an indication of destiny. I'll repeat that. Circumstance is not necessarily an indication of destiny. Amen. Today she finds herself as a slave girl. Just a few days before, she was a free girl. Who knows what her tomorrow might be? So circumstance, if you find yourself in a difficult place, it doesn't mean you are worthless. Too many of us allow our jobs and our titles to define us. Circumstances can change all the time. One time I was free, I was the one checking on people with COVID. And then Dr. Airports people printed something for me and it said positive. And then I was part of the people who had COVID. And I blamed the person who did the test. Because if they hadn't done that test, I was walking around free, wasn't I? I had just a little cough. But somebody does a test and then they come and they say, you are positive. And for the first time, the word positive was negative. It, was, it wasn't a good word. You know? They changed my circumstances. I became a prisoner in my own house for two weeks. My children were waved by the window from afar. <laughs> I understood what it meant to have leprosy. And you show up and you shout, unclean, unclean, so that they avoid you. They change my circumstances with one sheet of paper. Positive. <laughs> and 
And the day they gave me negative, I rejoiced. Don't worry, I'm negative now. You're safe. Amen. Circumstances are not necessarily an indicator of destiny. You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in our circumstances that we can't see what God wants to do. Why did this girl end up in Naaman's home? God, listen, sometimes the, the shortcut, if you ask God for a shortcut, eh, the shortcut is like some road in my neighborhood. It is extremely bumpy. But it's faster than the highway. You understand? The shortcut is very, very rough. If you joke, your shocks will break. When Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave, they didn't know when he was entering Egypt on a slave caravan, shackled, they had picked him from the cistern with mud all over his body. He didn't look anything like the glorious young man who was wearing colorful clothing whose father had sent him out. He looked battered and tattered and wretched. And Egypt didn't know that was their savior coming. The world didn't know that this is the person who is going to save them from seven years of famine. Nobody had any idea. His circumstances was absolutely no indication of his destiny. Amen. That's why you must stand on the promises of God in spite of whatever situation you find yourself in. Amen. You see, God is a master marksman. He can shoot any arrow. Sometimes we look at ourselves, we look at our brokenness. We are not as straight as other arrows. We are not as perfectly designed. We are too short. We are too tall. We are too skinny. We are too fat. We, all, we look at ourselves and we see all these things we think are limitations. We are not educated enough. We are not fluent enough. But God is a master marksman. If you give him a toothpick and he says, I'll use a toothpick as my arrow today. When God shoots that toothpick, it will be the single most effective arrow ever shot. Amen. That's why the Bible says our children are like arrows in the quiver of the Almighty. Amen. And he, he never misses. Amen. The third one is that God always rewards the faithful. In Matthew 25, there's the account of God separating the sheep from the goat and saying to the sheep, well done, good and faithful servant. The Christian who bears witness always gets rewarded. When Naaman, Naaman was a very generous man. He carries all these plenty presents to give to the prophet of God. And I'm sure that there were many times when I wondered why the prophet of God didn't meet him when he went to his house. And then this morning, as I was meditating on it, the Holy Spirit said the prophet of God couldn't break the law of God. The law of God was that you can't come into contact with somebody who has leprosy. So it wasn't because Elisha was snobbish, you know, but you can't say you are the servant of God and you are the one who blatantly breaks the law of God. So he said, don't worry, just go and wash seven times in the Jordan and you'll be healed. After you're healed, I'm sure I can see you, but not before, because I am not allowed by the law to come into close contact with somebody who has leprosy. But of course, he didn't bother explaining. You don't always have to explain. Naaman didn't know why the man wouldn't meet him. He didn't really ask why the man wouldn't him. 
wouldn't meet him. He was offended by it. But he had taken a lot of gifts to give him. Now, the question I want to ask you is, after Naaman was healed, we see Ge Gehazi meet him. I assume most of you know the story, so I, I'm not reading all of it. We see Gehazi meet him. Go to him and say, oh, my master wants some. And you saw how many gifts he gave Gehazi. Now, this is my question. When Naaman gets home, with his new skin like a baby's, all, all leprosy cleared, a disease that was incurable at the time, and his wife touches that baby's skin, how do you think they will treat that slave girl? His generosity, the amount of gifts he carried to go and give to this prophet he hadn't met yet, we see when the servant of the prophet comes in, I actually think Naaman saw through the young man's tricks, but he still gave him gifts. Now, the little girl who had come into his house as a non-entity, as a nobody, when he gets back home, what do you think he will do for this little girl? Just imagine that. What will he do for her? Whatever Naaman can do for that little girl, Christ does much more for the Christian who bears witness. Recently, on the, on, 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 on the 14th of September, the world lost a very great man, Yonggi Cho of South Korea. As of 2007, he had the biggest church in the world. Church membership was over 2 million. Over 2 million people attended his church. Do you know how Yonggi Cho became born again? At 17, he was dying from tuberculosis. And a student, a student girl, he had been praying. He had been praying to Buddha. He was Buddhist, had been praying with his dad, praying, praying, and wasn't getting healed. So finally, he changed his prayer. He said, God, if you're anywhere out there, I want to know you. Heal me. So God sent him this, this student, young girl. And she would talk to him every day about Jesus, but he wouldn't listen. So finally, one day she shows up and she says, you know what, I'm going back to school. I'm in boarding school. I'm going back to school. And since you won't listen, I'm going to leave my Bible with you. And then in your own free time, read the Bible. And when he started reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit grasped him. He knelt and he prayed and he gave his life to Christ. Amen. That girl may not have won two million souls for Christ. Maybe he, he probably was the only person she won for Christ. But for every soul Yonggi Cho won, she gets a credit. Amen. We never know what impact we can make, whether we are students or slave girls or widows or orphans or unemployed. If we make ourselves available, the Lord Almighty can use us. Just make your light shine. Sometimes you don't need a lot of light. Just a little light. When things are truly dark, as is typical when there's doom saw and your house is pitch black, the light from a match is enough to, so that you don't bump your head into a wall. It is nice when other people have big bright lights. It's impressive. But your little light is, a, is enough if you shine it in obedience. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Oh, Father, may you help us. May you help us walk in obedience. In Jesus' name. Help us shine our light wherever we find ourselves. There's no point lighting a lamp and hiding it under a bed. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And to the question of why do good people suffer, it is very simple. Many times so God can glorify himself. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.